When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about the past, I'm about the future. Welcome back to Draft Vice. I'm Walter, and today on today's episode, we're talking Cleveland Browns and their 2021 draft class, right? I've cracked down the tape of all the interviews of all the GM and people of uh, that cover these teams. And again, I, for, for this one, I've cracked a lot of the tape of the actual players. But not only that, I've actually like watched the uh, the press conferences, gone through them all, kind of sparse with some of these uh, these teams. What, part of what I want to do for these is go over each of these teams and see like what some of these teams value. You know, I I got a lot out of watching the Saints and the Bills and uh, Vikings press conferences last year. This year, I'm doing it all over again. See what nuggets we get. Now, I think the Browns are one of the harder groups to get real nuggets from. They really do try to hide their cards very well. But listen, folks, we will pay attention and let's go right into the draft class. Right, first off. Oh, by the way, if you want, you can follow the podcast at DraftFice on Twitter, at DraftFice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of laugh. Punch, a delicious drink you drink in the summer. And again, I'm posting all different videos and podcasts and shows. So go ahead, like, follow, subscribe, share it with your mother, share it with your cousins. Um, and in the show notes, there's links to all this beautiful stuff, all the videos already being done on this for DraftVice by me. And right off the bat, Greg Newsome, right? Uh, this is a guy I did not think would fall to them at 26, but I definitely thought if he was there, he was probably high on their board, top, like, potential five guy that they would go after. I, you know, I do think uh, Quiddy Pay was high up on their board as well. Um, clearly, Sertain was as well, but Sertain was going way too high. Sertain went eight overall. So uh, Greg Newsome can play man, can play zone. Um, they, they like what he can do, potentially impress man. Uh, did not have a ton of reps at that, but again, like we saw that with Caleb Farley, and again, as long as you could play off man uh, and play zone, I mean, there was a lot of guys like that in this draft class. He tested out at the roof. Um, he's a good tackler. He has three years of tape, but he's only 20 years old. They made a very big deal about that. That's something that the Browns make a big deal of is not just the age, but the the sample size at that age, right? If you're 20 years old and you have three years of tape, they love it. doesn't matter that, like, hey, you didn't always finish every season. They kind of looked at that as, well, yeah, you did three years of tape at least, and you have, you know, you're 20 years old. He's one of the top 10 to 15 youngest players in this draft class. They liked that. Um, they weren't really worried all that much about the medicals. Yeah, he was dinged up over the years, but they were small things. They were things that aren't really probably repeatable, didn't feel like they were long-term issues of concern. They feel like he's a really good fit in their defense. Uh, again, he's another big, long guy. 6'1", could be outside corner, kind of similar in the mold to what they have with Greedy Williams already. Now you have two uh, very big outside corners who are athletic. Greedy Williams coming off the injury. You also have Denzel Ward there. Denzel Ward's already a really good corner. And I mean, like, top, I, I think he's a top level corner. And that's when he's playing in schemes that don't even work for him. Like, they were playing a lot of zone last year. And Denzel Ward's probably better off being used in man. And again, he was still very good. He's, I, I think Denzel Ward's the guy they have to extend in the future. Um, but again, you know, they wanted the corner room to be deep. It didn't really matter that they have Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward. Now you're three corners deep. Um, I think that's a good thing. They have four corners deep because they also have Troy Hill. Um, they liked his intelligence, right? Not just his role, but everything, but the you know, everything reflexively. Uh, he only had one interception, but they don't really read into it. It's also partially about like what your scheme does. They kind of wrote that off. They liked his ability to play downfield. Um and again, I don't know if that stuff always translates to the next level as far as, as far as like ball skills. Like again, he had a bunch of pass breakups, so it wasn't like he was bad at it. You know, you want a guy who can cover. 
that's important. So again, I think that was a big deal for them. They really liked him. Uh, getting him to be able to play outside. And again, you're not entirely sure what Greedy Williams' health is, but even if he's healthy, having three really good outside corners is really good for your team. They might have, you know, I'm wondering what they're going to do for the fourth corner, whether it's a UDFA or a veteran. I thought they might even draft another one in this draft class. Maybe there's somebody who they had from last year, A.J. Green, Donovan Alumba, um, Robert Jackson, guys like that who they might like still. So, uh, I, again, I think that that was such a good pick for them. There were other guys on the board that they could have taken, sure, but I think that was just that was a Jeff's kiss, if you will. I think that was perfect for them. That's what they wanted. Um, Nathan Zagura was on the Locked On NFL Draft uh, podcast draft show as the Browns pick, and he put him there. He pegged it perfectly. Uh, again, it's a lot of good coverage players, not just adding to the coverage here, but second-round pick, linebacker slash safety slash star defensive player, Jeremiah Awusu-Koromoa goes to them at 52. Now, you might be like, Walter, they didn't have the 52nd overall pick. No, they traded up, but they, they did an amazing thing. They, they, did a, uh, they did a pick swap, right? Ooh, a pick swap. Yes, they swapped their third-rounder with the Carolina Panthers' fourth-rounder. So basically they moved back like about 20-something spots from the third to the fourth round, and they traded up about seven spots in the second round. So what they got out of that was Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Now there's a little bit of talk. Maybe he fell because of a potential undisclosed heart condition. This was a There was an undisclosed health issue mentioned by PFF the other day, and I didn't hear anything about it beyond that. Um, even now, as Adam Schefter's reporting it, it sounded like everybody cleared him, so it doesn't sound like he's. they were all overly worried about it. It sounds more like it was a scheme role, versatility. You know, not the versatility, but the, the scheme role. What what are you going to play him as? Are you playing a weak side linebacker? Is he a safety in a scheme? He didn't, you know, he didn't play the post or play single high very much. So, again, I think for the Browns, he is a linebacker for them. He's, they, they said he is the weak side linebacker. Um that doesn't mean he's not going to have different coverage roles. Again, he's he basically played slot corner a lot when he was at uh, Notre Dame. So, again, he he can basically do both the linebacker slash slot corner, basically nickelbacker role for them um, without ever having to come off the field. I think that's very important. Again, you're, you're playing against guys who are very athletic. He was a little dinged up at his pro day, so he didn't run the 40, but he did do a lot of the other, other stuff, uh, worked out very well. Um, I just think he's a good player. He's very athletic. He's very fast. He he plays hard. The one issue I have with him, and I think a lot of people have with him, was his tackling. Didn't always wrap up when he tackled. He just kind of like hit you very hard. And I do worry about that at the next level. But again, he he's very willing to tackle. He's very willing to play with a little bit of. Uh, he's always willing to play aggressive. Um, they did kind of note because between him and Tony Fields, they're both very similar sized guys. They took Tony Fields in the fifth round. And basically, it felt like they were drafting Jeremiah Wusukoromo's direct backup guy, who similar size, six one, um, lighter dude, kind of discount Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, probably going to be a special teamer that backs up JOK, and they have like two guys that are almost similar breed and skill. So I, you know, when they looked at that, you know, there was a question by uh, in one of the press conferences. There's like six different press conferences for the Browns because they don't just do the GM and coach, but there's also guys who work in the front office who do them. I think that's a good thing. It gives them reps, you know, whether it's uh, Kwese, who's I think going to be a potential 
GM coming up very soon in the future because he was formerly an analytics guy. Then he moved to the scouting staff. I think he's going to be a GM in some scheme somewhere, somewhere soon. Some team is going to take him and make them their GM. And listen, man, I hope for it, man. I think he's a great uh, dude. Uh, Jeremiah Usu Koromoa, Tony Fields. How when they were asked this though, it's like, oh, what's the difference between a linebacker and a safety in your system? And they said, well, it's where you line up and what you typically had to deal with. What were your roles, right? You're not dropping JOK down by the post, so you're not playing him at split safety or field safety. You're playing him down in the box, no matter what you're doing. Um, their ability to get off tackles, to go ahead and make plays in the run game. I think those were the things that they were looking at between Tony Fields and Jeremiah Usu Koromoa where they said these are the guys that, like, they're linebackers. There are new kind of – they might be new-style linebackers. They're fast. They're quick. But there are linebackers. These are what we want in the weak side linebacker. They might be 6'1 and 220, but they're fast and they're good and they can cover very well, and that's what we want on the back end. Um, again, there was uh, – they traded up to get JOK. I think they were actually potentially willing to t uh, trade up to – you know, I think they wanted him in the first round. Uh, I kind of noticed because I again one of the teams I cover I, I cover quote unquote I pay attention to the most is the Browns as you could tell I'm wearing the the fan hat. Um, I, one of the things that I noticed was that this was one of the last players that I think they had a first round grade on who they were you know top thirty two players top thirty players. Uh, another guy was Azizo Jolari, right? He went two spots before JOK. I think that's when they started making the calls or they already had deals in place for them to trade up. Um, at 50, J.O. Uh, Azizo Jolari goes off the board. 51, I think that's when Samuel Cosme went off the board. I think they saw that and they went, dude, we got to get up and get the uh, get our guy. Because if we don't, we're going to miss out. And they came up with this very fun, unique trade. They still got to keep all their picks. They only went back a couple of picks into the fourth round. They still got some good players out of it. Overall, I, I think it was a smart move on their end. They got their guy. Um, next day two pick that they had was Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn. He's a field stretcher, uh, ran four two two uh, at his pro day, was a track guy. It was like Olympic level track athlete. So I, I think they liked him a lot. Um, they don't look at him as whether he could be a slot or an X or a, a flanker or what's he going to do, like what's particular role. They look at what he can do, right, what he brings, and he brings speed. He brings run after the catch ability, looking to get the ball in his hands and get him to go. Acceleration, you know, they liked his acceleration out of the brakes, not just the speed, but everything in toto, if you will. Um, they And they do a deep, in-depth process. They unearth everything they can. Uh, you know, again, Quaze talked about his role in the, the organization in this one. Um, also heard from Paul DePodesta a bit on it. Paul DePodesta even kind of hinted that he felt like uh, Schwartz was kind of being utilized outside of what he probably was good at. You know, Bo Nix was not necessarily the best deep ball passer, so they kind of like maybe like, hey, wait a second, what if we get him more in the deep ball role? Again, if you look back at Browns were addressing the things that they did not do well last year, right? And the two things that they needed, they needed a deep threat, right? And I think they had guys on the board who were deep threats who maybe they would have taken in round two. Um, Elijah Moore, I think, was one of the guys. They, if they, he was there in round two, they would have went for him. Azizo Jolari was the edge rusher they would have went for in round two. They didn't get him. But I think they absolutely went into this draft with a need for a deep threat. They had Anthony Schwartz pegged as a guy who they wanted in the mid-rounds. If they did not get Elijah Moore, made sense. They went ahead. They got him at pick, uh, I think it was uh, 91. 
So they got their guy who's going to be a field stretcher, so he could be a deep-down-the-field guy who's going to clear out the field. That's what you want. You want a guy who's going to go ahead, take guys out of the box, make them keep a safety up high, who's going to be a man-beater. You want this. You want this for Jarvis. You want this for Higgins. You want this for Odell. Now you can get Odell a lot of run after the catch because that's what Odell and Jarvis do very well. And then even if they aren't just doing that, Odell was the only guy on the offense last year who really scared defenses, made them back off, made them say, go ahead and fight us, dude. And Odell was good at that for the first six games, then he tore his ACL. So, again, I think, you know, with Anthony Schwartz, you're now adding another element, a guy who is not just a speed guy but can do all the things you want. And they unearth every piece of info info in this, and they love what this guy can do. He's still only 20 years old. He's six feet tall. He looks a little lean. But, again, you don't need him to be every – he's kind of like a Robbie Anderson, to be honest. So that's kind of what I I like about him. He's very Robbie Anderson-ish. Uh, you don't need him to be getting 600 targets uh, in a year or something. I, I, you know, if that was ever even a real possibility, no, it's not. But again, like you know, 100 targets. You, you need him to be like a 50 to 60 target guy. You know, t- make sure the defenses are pay- playing you honest. You're you're getting another guy. And I do think at the end of the year, I, I do think start next season. You know, their wide receiving core is probably going to be you know a combination of Jarvis Landry, Kadaro Hodge. Uh, DPJ, OBJ, and Anthony Schwartz, and uh, and Higgins, right? Those six guys. So I think those six guys are going to be on the roster going into next year. Uh, and I think it's a very good roster to have. You have very varied skill sets amongst those guys who could all play different roles in your, your offense. I dig it a lot. Um, next up, they have James Hudson out of Cincinnati. Uh, I watched uh, I watched a little bit of his game against Azizo Jalari early on. I wasn't really scouting James Hudson because I wasn't scouting offensive linemen too much, but I did watch a few games of him uh, because, again, he played against Azizo Jalari. And, again, they mentioned that his scheme fit and value and, and like, he had good twitch, good versatility. They're going to cross him at guard and tackle, but he's primarily going to be the swing tackle for right now, what they're going to try and do. Again, you got to remember, even if Hubbard's back this year, he's probably not back next year. Hubbard's coming off a knee injury, so he might not even start the season. I know they suggested that they do think he will be able to play the season. I mean, that's also why they extended Blake Hans. That's why they have Michael Dunn on the roster. So they have a lot of in, they have a lot of offensive linemen. But Dunn and Hans, I'm not over eager to play a tackle. Hans played pretty well at tackle for him last year at swing tackle. So again, another guy on the roster who they're going to go ahead and cross train. Uh, you know, again, this guy started at D line. He has D lineman, D lineman movement skills, has innate foot speed and ability. You know, I know it doesn't show out on the pro day, um, but remember the pro day stuff. It's a snapshot, right? And again, you're talking about a guy in round four who you're taking as an offensive lineman. Offensive linemen don't necessarily have to have all those measurables to be good. Um, and again, you now you have Bill Callahan, number one, you know, probably one of the top three, if not the number one offensive line coach in the NFL. Uh, and they they know it. They know they have the best offensive line coach because that was even said in the interview. That was like, yo, we have the best offensive line coach in the NFL. You know, we could take a guy like this and turn him into a stud, and that's why we're taking him. Um, so I dig it. I think this was a very important part of why they went ahead and took James Hudson in the fourth at pick one ten. So uh, it is a lot of projection, but I'll tell you this much. He held up very well against Aziz Ojolari when he played him. And until he started headbutting people, they, uh, you know, I, I think that was probably where they, they drew the line of him playing and they threw him out of the game. And that's when Aziz Ojolari looked really good in that game. But he did really well against Aziz Ojolari, and it was one probably one of the games that made 
teams think more about Aziz Ojolari. Um Pick 132, round four. They took Tommy Togiai. They, they had traded down to the fifth round, the other fourth-round pick that was high up with the, the Lions, and they got a fourth-rounder next year. I think that was smart. Next year's supposed to be a deep uh, deep uh, class. So, you know, now you can, at least you have two fourth-rounders next year. Um, I think that's going to be useful. You never know where else you could pick up uh, picks. Um, Tommy Togiai, uh, they like him as a run defender. You know, I think he, uh, if anything, this is telling you that they are definitely looking to play a lot. Uh, they're looking for him to be uh, a gap penetrator, right? Like, uh, you know, I think he could probably play three tech. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they try him at nose. They did do that a little bit with Jordan Elliott. That's not really his most natural fit. He did play there in college, but keep in mind, uh, they play almost every great tackle. At the, every great defensive tackle plays a little bit of nose in college because we're sticking our best guy to go ahead and attract most attention. I get that. Um, very good run defender for them. I, and even I think PFF had him very highly rated as a run defender. I know. I think ESPN said he wasn't a good run defender. I think it was because ESPN just looked at him and said, oh, he's 290. He can't be a good run defender. No, he was. He was a better run defender than he was a pass rusher. Um, very good at getting his guy into the backfield. Very good at disrupting plays, both run and – again, I think he can be a good pass rusher. I think there's definitely things to like about his ability to, again, get into the backfield. I just don't think he has the pass rush repertoire. If he does, if he develops that, he can be – a dangerous mofo i'll tell you so i do like tommy togiai they like tommy togiai like uh, they like his quickness off the ball again this guy's a guy who benched 40 uh reps uh for his pro day of that 225 uh so he shows competitiveness uh he's just going to be disrupted d lineman i think him and jordan elliott create a good combo of guys to have it's just three tech rushers um you know, I don't think Malik Jackson prevents you from doing anything. I don't, you know, I think he's there for one year. Andrew Billings is there for one year. They also got UDFA. Marvin Wilson fully guaranteed his uh, his his uh, salary this year, so I think he's probably making the roster. Although it's not a big salary either, but they really liked him. Um, again, UDFA guy. They they really wanted him in that room. Uh, he is more of a no shade one tech guy. When he played there, he played really well. So uh, when he didn't play there, he did not play well. I think they were trying to play him at like kind of like a 3-4 DN role this year at Florida. So there are some reasons why Marvin Wilson took a little bit of a dive this year. I think some of it might have been the knee injury, and I think some of it might have been the scheme change. And also just not a lot of people did well in that new Florida State system. So um, I think they looked at it and they said, you know what, we, we kind of want to move yeah, uh, he 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 fell out of the draft. I, that was a guy who was a potential first round pick, second round pick. Went back to school, um, and then like almost uh, literally went undrafted because of how bad the tape was. Uh, he went to the Senior Bowl. I think he had an okay Senior Bowl. I don't think it was that bad. I you know he had moments on there, but again, defensive linemen tend to look better at the Senior Bowl too. So I don't think teams overweigh it. I think it's usually if you're an offensive lineman doing well at the Senior Bowl, then they really like it, or if you're a corner at the Senior Bowl, they really like it. So, uh, let's get back to the, you know, Tony Fields the second. Um, he went after Tommy Togiai. Uh, he, you know, they him and I already mentioned him and JOK, very similar build and frame. And, again, this is discount JOK, and they got both of them. So, I think teams are like, oh, like, well, they clearly have a plan for these guys. So, both him and JOK can kind of be very uh, useful. Uh, should help on – he should help on special teams. Should, you know – he, they want to be violent on the defense. They want to be fast and violent and tough and smart and accountable. 
and they want speed on the back end. That's what they want. Um, how do you? And this is where the quote came from. Where how do you differentiate between linebacker versus safety? And again, they look on guys used in the box versus you know who take on tackles versus guys lining up in the post. And you know you might have crossing roles, but again, though what your primary duties are on one end versus another. I think that's why they are describing Tony Fields and uh, JOK as linebackers. Uh, then they took Richard LeCount out of Georgia, which a lot of people. So it was weird, right? So he had a very bad pro day. He ran the four eights, so everybody kind of had him off the board. Um, it's weird though because going into the off season, even PFF had him as a fourth round kind of safety. Um, Daniel Jeremiah posted that you know uh, his GPS tracker had him as one of the fastest of the uh, of the safeties or fastest players on the field in the 90th percentile. So. Again, because he went to Georgia, he probably has one of those GPS track. He had one of the GPS trackers. I had speculated that this, that was maybe one of the things that helped push them that direction. Um, and then as did other people. And then Daniel Jeremiah released this information. We all went, well, see, this is what was going on. It was GPSs. They're all just using the 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 TomToms to go ahead and track the players. Uh, so, you know, they feel like he could play field and boundary safety. He was highly recruited, five-star athlete. Uh, he was voted most improved player in 2019, behind, and he played behind a very talented group of safeties at Georgia at that time in 2018. Played, uh, he was a three-year starter. He was hurt in a motorcycle accident uh, his, this last year. Uh, suited up in the the Cincy game, took the 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 final snaps, did a full workout in the spring. The full workout in the spring probably didn't help him overly, but maybe he was also still recovering. Uh, from the injuries as well. And, you know, again, I think teams are now feeling more comfortable about the injuries. Uh, he has got a good special teams history in college. So, again, special teams are the quickest way to get you on the field for a team, especially if you're a backup. They want guys who can play special teams very well. And I do think that teams, especially on day three, take that into account with the, the players they pick up. Um you know, they mentioned that Andrew Barry wanted to be aggressive, right, and that he's going to, you know, one guy said he was the smartest guy in the room. Uh, you know, and he won't tell you. So, again, I liked Richard LeCount. I kind of was, I, I was, when everybody kind of shaded him, I also kind of shaded him as well. But uh, he was a guy I was aware of earlier in the process, and there was a lot of talk about him being like a fourth-round safety. I guess if he had tested how he played earlier this season, teams maybe would have pushed him up the board. Um, Demetri Felton was the last pick they made, 211. Uh, he was a big senior bowl guy. He uh, did not test well. I think his RAS had him at like 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 point point nine one, which is not good. It was like you you get like full numbers next to that, and he had a point nine one. So just give you an idea on that. That's as a wide receiver though. He is there as a running back slash wide receiver, kind of like Duke Johnson was. Um, keep in mind, Andrew Barry was part of the you know was part of the front office that was there for when Duke Johnson got drafted. I don't think he did draft him though. Um, I think I well I think it was the year later. I think Duke Johnson was drafted the year before him, but he saw the versatility, so he was there for a lot of the time that Duke Johnson was there. Um, Demetric Felton's got a very similar skill set to him, and again, if you change his RAS to you know running back, it looks a little bit better. But uh, again, I went to the Senior Bowl, tested out as wide receiver at the Senior Bowl, kind of like you know doing the route running, was beating guys up and down the field, and uh, you know when they were covering him. 
Uh, again, he can be a real running back, though, too. And I think that's what they were kind of doing was they were kind of – they want a guy who could be versatile. He could also be the return specialist guy. You know, Dearness Johnson, you're trying to find a guy who has a different skill set. I think they still like Dearness Johnson, but, again, they might not keep Dearness Johnson or they might find a partner that might want to trade for Dearness Johnson because he did look good. Or, again, they could also be trading – one of, you know, Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb's on the last year of his deal. Kareem Hunt has very little guaranteed money on his deal. So one of those guys might not be here past this year. You're now getting another receiving threat out of the backfield who could also run the ball. Uh, again, i not saying they should get rid of any of the running backs in that room, but if they were, that's also another reason. He's not even guaranteed to make the roster as, at pick 211. But, it, again, I think he has a versatility and usefulness that they will like. They could still keep him around, uh, especially if he starts showing on special teams. I think Dearness Johnson was very good for them on special teams as well as a returner. Um, I think they're past the phase of trying to use DPJ as that. I think he's just too awkward of a body type and build to do it. Um, and then Marvin Wilson, UDFA at uh, Florida State, I mentioned before. I'm not going to the other UDFAs. I just think that was the biggest name. That was the one I was most impressed with. They also signed free agent Malik McDowell right after the draft, right? Uh, former second-round pick of the Seattle Seahawks. Got into an ATV accident, then got into some trouble. Was on probation for, like, 11 months. Um, not good. Not good. But now he's trying to recuperate become a, a decent member of society and uh i i dig it I, i'm glad they're willing to go ahead and take a risk on a guy like him i don't think it's really that much of a risk i like the player um from what i saw back then he's got a more leaner build that he always did have a more leaner build for a guy who's huge like a nearly 300 pound player that was kind of a leaner more muscular build and just I, I think you know you're getting him in there. He's he could maybe play D end or D tackle, very Sheldon Rich, uh, Sheldon Richardson esque. I think I was actually maybe, but he also has very long arms. Like he he had vines if I remember correctly. I, again, I'm I didn't pull up any of his history. That information came today before I recorded the podcast. So we're recording this video. Um, again, I very much do like. Uh, what I saw from him back then, I liked his uh, perspective. You know, again, he was a guy who people were talking about in the first round that year. Fell to the second because teams weren't quite sure if he liked football. In fact, he had told some interview uh, people that, you know, he wasn't quite sure if he really wanted to play football. He didn't really care about coaching. He didn't think it would be, you know, it was a very weird, uh, weird track record in history for the guy. Now he's coming back. Um, Again, you know, maybe they still bring back Sheldon Richardson, but it seems like they're trying to attack D-tackle in the cheapest way possible. That doesn't mean they can't bring back Richardson. I think they might keep, you know, 10 D-linemen on this roster and and 10, uh, 10 uh, defensive backs. Why do I think that? And I think they might go cheaper at, you know, linebacker. Again, I think they still might only go five linebackers. Um, I think three linebackers on the team are competing for one spot. Malcolm Smith... Um, Tony Fields and Mac Wilson are all competing for, you know, backup weak side linebacker slash special teams role. Um, and, and again, I think that, you know, there might be a lean towards Tony Fields coming back. They could also release Malcolm Smith at the end of the summer and bring him back week two if there's an injury or anything like that. And then his, his salary is not guaranteed. Um, you know, middle linebackers probably going to be Anthony Walker and Jordan Phillips. Uh, and then strong side linebackers probably going to be uh, Taki Taki. I think he is most likely – I think Taki Taki, Phillips, and Walker are most likely to make the team. And then the other 
three linebackers that are not named JOK are probably going to be fighting for a spot. They might keep six linebackers. I don't think it's totally out of the question, uh, especially because, again, I think JOK can pretty much play slot corner anyway. They might not keep MJ Stewart. They also might not keep, uh, you know, Sheldrick Redwine. Those guys might be off the roster. They might be competing for spots. Uh, I think Troy Hill's guaranteed a spot. I think uh, when you look at uh, outside corner, you know, Ward, Greedy, and uh, Greg Newsom are all guaranteed spots. Clearly, Josh Johnson's guaranteed a spot. Ronnie Harrison, I think, is probably going to be on the roster. He was one of the best defensive players they had last year. Um, and then also, yeah, um, Delpit's coming back. So year two Delpit off the Achilles injury. Uh you know, they also have Tack McKinley and uh, Jadavian Clowney. I think those guys are going to be uh, rotating off and on the edge. They'll kick some of, you know, they'll kick Clowney in on some downs. I, I think they're looking for a versatile group of defensive linemen. I think that's what Sheldon Richardson is. I think that's what Malik McDowell is. I think that's what Marvin Wilson is. Um, the only guy that's really not super versatile is Andrew Billings, and I think he's more of a nose tackle that they are looking to finally get on the field to get, you know, to utilize him and see what they have in the other guys. Because you know he could be a good run defender and even get a little bit of pass rush out of him uh, in this team. I'm very intrigued as to what else they do as far as defensive backs because it does feel like they're maybe one corner short. Because um, I do think they need four boundary corners. Uh, maybe they look at Troy Hill as the backup boundary. I don't mind that. But again, I think like, you know, Maybe they look at some other guys to potentially be boundary corners to pick up, you know, free agency, guys who are getting released, trades, things like that. You're going to see guys getting released soon anyway. So, again, there's going to be some roster uh, fluctuation. Uh, again, I liked this draft so much. Did they get an edge rusher? Did I want them to take an edge rusher? Sure. Um, they have Curtis Weaver. They have Porter Gustin. Um, they have Joe Jackson. I think they have an interest in one of those guys, at least one or two of those guys sticking on the roster. But listen, that doesn't mean they can't lean more D tackle heavy, especially because the D tackles they have on the roster are more versatile, can play D end. Um, I think they'll have a solid rotation. I, I do. I think this is going to be a very fun roster to play around with. Uh, I think they could rush the passer with four. They could blitz. Um, I think they might blitz Taki Taki a little bit more. Uh, now that they have, they might blitz a little bit more in general because, again, they blitzed. I think they were like one of the bottom three or four teams in blitz percentage. Part of that was because you couldn't really blitz because you you were only able to really either fire zone blitz. You know, you really couldn't play a lot of man coverage because you had Terrence Mitchell on the other side, so you really had to cheat a little bit. So they, that's why they were very low in blitz percentage. Um, now I think this gives you the opportunity to blitz if you want to. They're not still required to blitz. I think they're going to be utilizing their their safeties a lot in coverage to try and take balls away. Josh Johnson was a big signing for them, and overall, again, I I was a huge fan of, of this draft. I think that you know every pick made sense. You know the LeCount and Fields picks were the ones I thought were the most spec, you know, most puzzling clearly. But I I got them. I understood them as you know as the information came in, especially with Tony Fields because I think a lot of people were not familiar with Tony Fields. He wasn't a guy connected to the team prior. Um, I I actually did again. I liked LeCount from before. Uh, but I didn't know that they were even connected with him. He was just a guy who like you would do like the mock draft simulators. And you'd be like, okay, like. 
oh, maybe I should look into this guy. And again, like you're like, oh, this is kind of like a solid dude that maybe will fall. He was mostly free safety in uh, in college. So again, you know, I think this is a question on Redwine, right? Like, can can Redwine, you know, win out that role because he really didn't play well. You know, they, they didn't want to really put him at free safety. He actually was a little bit better when they put him near the line of scrimmage, but they really didn't want to play him. I think part of it was just familiarity with the scheme. Um, keep in mind, they did have the short offseason. So, again, I think as you go into this year, it's going to be a lot of competition for the Browns. They know it. They said it. Um, some of these guys who were day three picks won't make the roster. I don't know if Tony Fields makes the roster. I don't know if LeCount makes the roster. I don't know if Felton makes the roster. I think everybody after round four is basically not guaranteed a spot. Um, I do think Mac. I do think they are leaning towards bringing. You know, they do want Marvin Wilson to make the roster because again, I think he's actually a lot of the ways similar to Larry Ogunjobi, a no shade guy. In fact, I think it was maybe one of the comps that I saw for him, or even again like how I came up with a comp for him. Uh, you know, good in the run game, uh, can get, get a little bit of push. Uh, you know, maybe his better role in the NFL is three-tech, but what he did really well, especially his first two years in college, was play, you know, one-tech right over, you know, just slightly over the center, trying to eat up gaps, try to free up other guys. Uh, again, I I like this team. I like what they've done. Um, you know, I do think there's going to be a lot of guys fighting for spots this year because it's a very talented roster. Guys who, you know, might make it onto this practice squad or who guys who have special teams value are going to probably make it. So I think overall, I love the Browns draft. I'm going to have people on who are fans of the Browns do more Browns content. I'm not going to be a, a specific Browns show. I'm not moving towards that method. But there's people who I've talked to, been on their shows, want to have them on here, talk about their feelings on the draft. So, again, uh, you know, again, follow the podcast and the show at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. Punch with delicious drink, drink of the summer. And uh, like, follow, subscribe. And uh, take care. Watch all the other videos. I do one-minute videos, the shorts, whatever. They're also on the TikTok. They're on the Instagram. Go watch them all. Like those. Do those. All that fun stuff. And then, listen, it's going to be, uh, you know, once these are done, man, it's going to be a long time coming with other shit. Uh, go ahead and check out Brenda Facemeyer's show, Face Off of Facemeyer, Brenda Facemeyer. I'm on that every Thursday, 6 to 7. Find it on the Facebook, TTFN. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I got the